Dest trying to control and managing to control this. He finds Coutinho. And there it is, 3-1, Philippe Coutinho with the goal. Fresh off his World Cup qualifying golazo, Serginho Dest stars in a big win for Barcelona. But not in his usual position. We ask if Dest's best spot with the national team is also further upfield. Meanwhile, in Italy, Chucky Lozano's Napoli continue to soar. Though the Mexican star did not have a happy weekend. What a sideline dust-up with his manager tells us about Lozano and his future in Italy. In Mexico, Chivas finally get the new manager bump. But how long will it last and how far can it take them come Ligia time? The answers to those questions and many more starting now on Football Americas. They cancel media availability for the rest of the week after this, citing a breach of an unwritten rule. the story Football America is then underway here on ESPN Plus Sebi Salazar, Hercules Gomez and now we know where Herc spent his weekend in Athens, Georgia at college game day with a homemade sign. You look well rested for having traveled cross country there. You know very well I don't go out of my house on weekends. I got kids. That's all you. That's mm -hmm. you. That's a Sevi Salazar medium-sized sign. Look at the distance from the ground. That's, mm. yeah. Fair enough. Maybe it would have been uh, Fuera Berhalter if it, had been, uh, if it had been me there. All right, so what do we got coming up in this show? We got some clinches in the NWSL looking ahead to the NWSL postseason. We got World Cup qualifier superlatives, Herc. Imagine back to your, your senior year of high school. Best in class, all that kind of good stuff. Plus the latest out of Major League Soccer and Liga MX as well. But let's not waste any more time because we got a lot to get to in this show, as always. Let's start with what happened in Europe. Because it was a big weekend in Europe for a lot of players out of CONCACAF in our region. Some ways good, some ways bad. We'll start with the case of Chucky Lozano, shall we? Who, boy, Napoli is flying, right? Perfect. Eight of eight, 24 points, first of Serie A. However... In their 1-0 win over Torino on Sunday, he started on the bench, gets subbed in in the 59th minute. Here you're seeing a great chance that he had uh, shortly after coming onto the field off the very inside of the post. Napoli would score in the 81st minute. I think it's safe to say Lozano was involved in the goal, not, not heavily involved. He subbed out, though, in the 89th minute and hurt not due to injuries. We found out afterwards down to a technical decision. He is replaced with the team holding on to a one-point lead by a defender, so at least that part Holds up. Lozano stormed off to the locker room afterwards. His manager, Spalletti, had this to say about what occurred. Today, Lozano did what he had to do, only that the game required me to make that change. I'm very sorry. I hope he understands. I understand his reaction. And as a footballer, I would have done the same. That is, go straight to the locker room. When we returned, he congratulated the team. I have five changes. And I replace Herc who I want. That's how Spalletti finished off the quote. So something, nothing, or everything. What do we make of this uh, sideline dust-up, not just with Spalletti, but with Lorenzo Insigne as well, the captain who we saw having words with Lozano as he stormed away from the bench? Okay, with Insigne, he was having words to try to calm him down. So there's a little context there as well. It didn't work because you saw the players there going up to the fans Well, Chucky Lozano wasn't part of that. He went directly into the locker room. This is... Everything. <laughs> Spalletti can say what he wants. He can he can say he can try to give it as much context as he'd like. The fact is, no player likes being taken out at any moment, especially not after you've come in. It's a slap in the face for the footballer. There are two scenarios where a player feels disrespected when it comes to a substitution. If you're subbed off in the first half, or if you're subbed off coming on as a substitute. In no scenario, rarely I should say. Is there an excusable reason to why you're subbed off where the footballer doesn't think you think I was the problem? You're telling the world this is on me. It was so bad you had to take me out. This is what Chucky Lozano is thinking, and you saw it there. With Chucky Lozano, there's a play, there's a replay at the end where it's coming out right there. If you can see his face, he's nodding as if he's answering a question, but nobody asked him a question. That's never good. So it can't be nothing, right? That's just down to Lozano's reaction, right? The, the way he reacts tells me that there's, there's something more there, not just to getting subbed off, but to the words from Insignia. You say he's trying to calm him down. 
Um, I don't think you're wrong there, but Lozano didn't react well to it. Right. So there's a little bit more to this as well. TUDN is reporting that this isn't the first bit of tension between uh, Chucky Lozano and Lorenzo Insignia. It dates back to last year, which if there's anybody at Napoli you don't want to be going up against in the dressing room, probably Insignia uh, <laughs> is the guy. But bigger picture, right? Because to me, this is more everything than something. I don't know if, if this is a good fit for Chucky Lozano, not just the tension with Insignia, but if you look at the other players that this team has, and maybe this has always been the case for Chucky, it's not exactly a position, Herc, of overwhelming need. Mertens, Elma, Zielinski. Um, the case of Matteo Politano is, is particularly Politano. interesting. He's, he's been on loan, I mean, just until a couple weeks ago when they, when they bought him. They bought him for 19 million euros. They paid 42 million euros for Chucky, and yet consistently, Politano has found time over Chucky Lozano, and that, that worries me. That doesn't seem like a, a good spot for Lozano. So I do think this is a sign of everything, which leads me to the question, uh, maybe this is the year to stick around Napoli, see if you can win some big hardware, but this summer, should he be looking for a move? A move where? He's finally, in a position, he's finally in a position where he could win something in a big five league. And here's the thing. Anywhere he goes, it could be the same thing again. Because this is almost a pattern with Chucky Lozano. We saw it at Pachuca many times. With Mesa, with Diego Alonso. We saw it at PSV. With Van Bommel, We saw it with Gattuso. This is a pattern with Chucky Lozano. Chucky Lozano is a very, very good footballer. But he's got that little chip in his shoulder, on his shoulder. He's got that little trait about him where... Personality doesn't quite mesh a lot of times with authority. This is more on Chucky. I, I shouldn't say this is on Chucky Lozano, but this pattern is more on Chucky Lozano. This right here, San Spalletti. This right here is on the coach. This right here, you have a reason to be upset, but don't let it be the reason that clouds your judgment, that, that gets you into a I only see red type of zone and ruins your season. I just, I just can't see Napoli as the place for him. I just can't see it. Third manager. There's no stability there. I think as we keep looking forward, it's really, really hard to argue that this is the best place for him uh, moving forward. Let's move forward with another good performance from the weekend, and that belongs to Serginho Dest with Barcelona, who gets a start in a 3-1 win over Valencia. Herc, a big uh, victory for Barcelona, moves them up to, to seventh in the table. More importantly, just two points behind Real Madrid, who are currently in second. But it's where Dest starts that's so interesting in this game. He starts as a right wing in a 4-3-3. Definitely not a right back, right? Sergio Roberto's in there at right back behind him. He goes 87 minutes, and as you see here, he picks up an assist. A great little play, digging it out of trouble uh, and finding Coutinho in the 85th minute. On the back end of that play, probably worth mentioning, Eunice Musa gets beat on the back post, but we'll leave that for uh, another time. Important minutes coming for, for Eunice Musa, though, with Carlos Soler back for Valencia. After the game, though, uh, everybody talking about Dest, including the man himself. Here he is post-game with Sid Lowe. Yeah, yeah, I, I did enjoy it, you know. It was a little bit more freedom to, to play forward, you know. But, um, yeah, for me, like, I play wherever the coach needs me, you know, and wherever the team needs me. So, um, you know, I think I did a pretty good job today, you know, to help the team. Um, and, uh, yeah, Whenever the, the coach or team needs me to play there again, I will do it for the team. So did you say to Marcel, listen, boss, this works really well. Let, let, let's keep doing this. If it's that little bit more fun, a little bit further. <laughs> no, I didn't say it. I didn't say it, you know, but... Uh, you can tell him now if you like on screen, make sure he finds out. <laughs> no, I, I just play where the team needs me, you know. That's, uh, that's the most important because we are a team and we want to win, you know. So uh, I don't prefer anything. So, Hurt? What does the heat map tell us? Well, exactly what you might have suggested. There he is playing as a right wing in a 4-3-3, a very advanced role. Uh, and obviously it pays off in many ways, but primarily with that assist uh, at the end of the game. So it begs the question, if this is the best way for Barcelona to, loop, to use Serginho Dest, is it also the best way for the U.S. men's national team to use Dest moving forward? What do you think? Circumstantial. I think we touched upon this a little in the production meeting, and you, met, you, you said something that stuck with me. Does the That's U.S. men's national team, right, have more attacking options, more options at the right winger position than Barcelona? And I was like, you're crazy, Seb. And, and then it got me thinking, well, who plays there? Dembele plays there. And then Yusuf Colado plays there, an 18-year-old Austrian who has all one appearance this year. That's it. So Barcelona has four starting center forwards, 
in, in Memphis, in Aguero, in, in Bradway, and in what is Luke DeJohn. But here you are with Serginho Dest needing to play as a right winger, who he can play. Now, I don't think that's necessarily the case with the U.S. men's national team. I think you can add another attacking element if he's at the right back position. And I do think there is a gulf of talent between Serginho Dest and the second or third right back in, in what is that pecking order. I don't think this is something we will see unless there is a tournament style, a tournament mm. setting, unless Serginho Dest is playing the Gold Cup or the World Cup. That's where you may see Serginho Dest as a right winger, but more as in a pinch, uh, because I think him at right back gives you an attacking option that you can add. And, and listen, let's face it, the majority of times uh, that they've played in CONCACAF, they've had majority possession. So when you can have possession, Serginho Dest is very good for you because he doesn't have to defend much. So if he's going to play it with the U.S., you, you probably want him playing it at club level. Do you, do you feel like this was a, a one-off for Barcelona? Because you mentioned Dembélé. He's like always kind of coming back, right. about to come back. Um, but he's never a player that you can trust for health. And also right now with his contract situation undecided, I think how much Barcelona will want to play him. Um, that could come into, into play as well. You think we'll see more of this from Dest at Barcelona? We could. I think it depends on the game for, for Ronald Koeman. You look at who played behind him. Uh, those three center midfielders were more like holding mids. They were, they were more like in support. And Sergio Ribeiro in the back as a right back. I think we may see a lot more of this right now just because Barcelona are so cash-strapped. Unless there's an influx in, in money coming in, I don't see anybody uh, really taking that over. Um, Dembele hasn't really established himself as a player you can count on who won't be injured. So this may be a scenario you can see more of Dest, but I don't think we'll see it at the U.S. men's national team level, Seb. I really don't. I don't think Greg Berhalter will say, you know what, well, let me take out a Brendan Aronson. Let me take mm. out a Christian Pulisic. Let me take out a Gio Reyna, those players who are playing there. Or let me see what else somebody can do. I mean, he had Shaq Moore, who played all of 59 minutes in Tenerife in second division. You know, That's Spain. really what it is, isn't it, Herc? That's really what it is. Because the options are right wing, Pulisic, Reyna, Wea, Conrad, yep. Ariola, Aronson, whoever else you want to throw in there. Um, you got plenty of cover at that position. What are the options realistically at right back? DeAndre Yedlin, Reggie Cannon, Joe Scally. You mentioned Shaq Moore. The question is Greg Berhalter, but in this case, I'll ask you, do you, do you trust any of those guys at right back? Because if the answer is yes, then you can move Des. If the answer is no, you don't really have the option. Well, I don't know what to expect of Joe Scally in the international. I hope we get to see him. I hope we get to see him because at Gladbach, he seems like a very good two-way player. Reggie Cannon, to me, seems like a dependable right back, but nothing that you would say Serginho Desk-esque where at his best, he changes a game for you. Uh, you. Here's the thing with Serginho. At his worst, he changes a game for you. So, you know, it's one of those things where if you know that you're going to be having the lion's share of the ball or possession, Serginho Desk is your man. If not, and you think you may be on the back end, or the, or sorry, the, the front foot defending, I should say, then maybe a Reggie Cannon, maybe a Joe Scally, maybe somebody there. But as far as who your best is. I, I do think there's a huge, huge gap between Serginho and the rest. Uh, not to pat ourselves on the back too hard, but we did talk about Serginho Des as a right winger on this show six months ago. We just talked about it as a potential with the U.S. because at the time, you, your right wings ahead of him in Barcelona, are you, we, you didn't even think about it. It was Messi, Griezmann. Now the state of things at Barcelona, Herc, is such that they're going from Messi, Griezmann kind of stacked on top of each other at that position to having to call a right back up to be the right wing. That's, that's the state of things at Barcelona. As much as we want to sing praise for Serginho Dest, and he really did play well against Valencia, this is a sign of, of desperate times. All, of course, ahead of El Clásico on the weekend, which, of course, you can see right here on ESPN+. Plus. It's Sunday in Barcelona. Barcelona uh, and Real Madrid. We got pregame on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes. Then we got the game, the match itself on ESPN Plus kickoff at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Next up on our European tour, Herc, Zach Steffen, who, of course, talked about so much last week, right? Two games in 66 days before that start uh, against Costa Rica. He gets the start in the Premier League for Manchester City in a 2-0 win over Burnley, so he keeps a clean sheet. Of course, uh, Edison, your number one uh, for Brazil, returning late from South American qualifiers, so he's out. That's why Stefan gets the start. Classic game for City, 70% possession. They get a goal in the 12th minute, but they don't get the second until the 70th, and so Stefan has to make a huge save about the midway point of the first half. Uh, here he is post-game. Here's Pep on Stefan. 
the last games he played in FA Cup and Carabao Cup, uh, as we come and and today, is is uh, is growing incredible fast and well as a keeper, working alongside and Xavi Mancidor and and Richard, isn't a guarantee. He's a much better keeper than the, he arrived because we haven't maybe the best. <coughs> Keeper trainer in the world, and uh, and is uh, we have incredible love confidence with with him because of the moments he has to save the ball, he save it. All right, so here's a look at the numbers for Zach Steffen over the last two years with Manchester City. Not a ton of action, as previously stated. And as we look ahead to November 12th, USA Mexico game, of course, you can see across the ESPN family of networks who think of the number one job for the U.S. and it raises the all-important question and one Herc that you have been all over on Twitter trying to stir people up. <laughs> Is it better to be a starter in MLS or a backup at a European club? I think we have to be more specific here, right? Uh, in the case of Zach Steffen, not just any European club, but the Giants that are Manchester City. For a goalkeeper? Goalkeepers aren't human to me, okay? So I don't think it matters. Uh, here's the thing. It just blows my mind that the rhetoric is that you need to play, and that's fine. But if you play in Major League Soccer, that's better than having an experience with a team like Manchester City. That's better than seeing players like De Bruyne, Sterling, uh, seeing players like Gabriel Jesus, seeing players like Gundogan on a daily basis and facing those type of players than the prospect of facing a Chofis Lopez on the weekend. The wow. prospect of facing a Javier Hernandez on the weekend or Raul Ruiz Diaz on the weekend. It blows my mind how all of a sudden, don't get me wrong, Matt Turner's a very good goalkeeper and there should be a discussion, but this he needs to play narrative and Major League Soccer are being at the forefront of it. And no, he plays in Major League Soccer. He plays for the New England Revolution. Like, that blows my mind. Take a second and let's see how Matt Turner won this job. Haiti, Martinique, Canada, Jamaica, Qatar, Mexico gets the opportunity for a job because, as you well know, Zach Steffen opened that door and so did Greg Berhalter. El Salvador, Canada, uh, Honduras, Jamaica. Oh, yes, as the producer says, the All-Star game. How can we forget? You're telling me that is an automatic give him the job, no more questions asked, because he's getting minutes in Major League Soccer over a guy who's one, in the be one of the best setups in the world, one of the best coaches in the world, behind one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Excuse me, one of the best coaches to ever coach the game. Mm. I, just, I just think people are, are, are clouded in their judgment when it comes to this, he needs to play. Right now, there is no magic wand that's going to get him out of city and put him somewhere else. Right now, it's he's a backup at city. And that's the way it is. And there are qualifiers going on. So do you value playing in Major League Soccer over that experience? It sounds like you don't. A former Major League Soccer player doesn't value playing in Major so League what, Soccer. Because what does the me, fact that I, had, that I played in Major League Soccer have anything to do with my judgment on this or, or my call on this? You, you don't think there's value to him playing in Major League Soccer. You're devaluing all of his work no, in Major League no, Soccer, no. Herc. You, you don't realize I'm not devaluing. I'm putting more stock into where he's at today than Major League Soccer. I'm not devaluing Major League Soccer. I am showing you the value of being in that setup with Pep Guardiola, Ederson, and what are those players? The ironing sharpening iron. Or, excuse me, iron sharpening iron. That's what I am showing you. Because when you play in CONCACAF, it's not necessarily the greatest level. Mm. Now, if you're telling me that him playing in Major League Soccer, it's also a dangerous precedent because what, what, if you're the national team coach... What's a dangerous precedent is starting somebody that's not playing for their no, club. No, dangerous precedent is if you're a national team coach. Now I'm thinking to myself, why go abroad? I could win and keep my spot if I just play here in Major League Soccer and don't test myself. No, that's not no, what you're saying. That's not, not what you're saying. No, right? that's what I'm thinking if I'm a player. Do I really need to go abroad to win myself a national team space? You, you keep making this about Major League Soccer, right? You, that, that you keep coming back to because, starter in MLS. Because Turner plays in Major League Soccer, and we're not, we're not evaluating Ethan Horvat, or we'd have a discussion about the championship. Let, we're we're let talking me, Zach Steffen, and we're talking Matt Turner. Let me make it simpler for you. Play versus not play, because that's the reality for Zach Steffen at Manchester City. There are, there are uh, unless there's an uh, exceptional situation, like an injury or somebody getting laid back from an international window, he's not going to play between now and November 12th. That's, 
He's not going to have the minutes to, to earn. Seb, and he was already of, the starter for the national team. If, 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 if all things were equal. Matt and Turner neither, started two of the three games, Herc. Let me ask you as a player. Let me ask you as a player. Would you want to have a goalie that wasn't playing? You can mimic those scenarios, those game day scenarios for goalkeepers. It's so, a little so different to you, than a you're, center you're back. Totally it's a little different. It's a little with a player who's a not forward. a goalie that's not playing. I am. You're totally comfortable. Sergio Romero, Claudio Bravo, all, all these others that have done. Claudio it. Bravo was starting at Barcelona when he won okay. two Copa Americas. Okay, that's that's fine. Seb, all these other Sergio Romero who done it. Two hundred games in Europe. Come on. Zach Steffen was the starter for the U.S. men's national team. Zach Steffen has played tw less than 25 games for the national team and less than 25 first-team games outside the United States. If I interrupt you, you, you're making if I interrupt comparisons you, you throw a tantrum. Are you going to listen to me? You good? Can I go? Zach Steffen was the starter. They're not starting at the same exact time. One, no pressure. No, one, one hasn't been used to it. One doesn't know what he's doing. No, he was the starter. He had his job taken away because somebody had a good Gold Cup performance versus Martinique, versus Haiti, versus Jamaica. That's why he had it taken away. And then, what? How many, how many shutouts are we talking about for, for Matt Turner? Has he been lights out? I'm not saying Matt Turner isn't a good goalkeeper because he's a good so goalkeeper. So Matt Turner lost a job. Matt Turner lost the job then. That's exactly just what I like said. The, just like the door was open for him, you're saying how, how that his play opened that? the door for Zach Steffen to take the job no, with minimal Seth. playing time I in Europe. I am telling you it's not the same for goalkeepers in my opinion. It's not the same. You can mimic those things. Zach Steffen not playing in one of the best setups in the world doesn't worry me. That doesn't worry me. You see no, you see no signs of rust the other night. That is, the that is equatable to playing in a Champions, Champions League level team. That worries me. Okay, so, so first minute of the game the other night, after he's, the second game in 66 days, ball comes across him. He doesn't make the wrong play on the ball. He doesn't make a play on the ball, and it ends up in the back of the net. You're saying there's no way that that had, that had zero to do with rust. I'm that telling nothing you, to do with not playing. I'm telling you that Moya, the forward who was there, who, if Sergio Dest wasn't in an onside ah, position, if, onside, if that wouldn't butts. happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ask any goalkeeper you want if that's on Zach Steffen. I don't think it is. We'll leave it there. <laughs> Producer's done with us. Let's move I'm to uh, Johan you. Vasquez, who had himself a, a start as well. His Serie A debut, Herc, no less for Genoa, of course, coming over from Pumas post-Olympics. Not only does he start, but he scores the game-tying goal, Herc, in the 89th minute off of a corner kick. A big game at home. He does it in front of the home crowd. Huge point for Genoa, who are 18th right now in a real uh, early season looking like relegation of battle. As we think about November 12th, USA-Mexico, again on the ESPN family of networks. If he stays in the Genoa starting lineup, Herc, should he move into the Mexico starting 11? I mean, yeah, look at that situation. Cesar Montes all of a sudden is the only dependable center back. Hector Moreno is a little long in the tooth, a little injury prone. There's the, one, there's the 180. No, there's no, no, the one no, 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 no. This is on the e-break. You're telling me mine's the 180? You're sitting here and saying he should play, and he didn't even play for Genoa. You're saying he should be the start, starting center back for the national team, but you're sitting here hating on Zach Steffen's situation. Really cool. Let me just tell you really quickly, okay? Look at everybody else. This isn't a situation like those two I just mentioned. Look at everybody <laughs> else. Cesar Montes is all of a sudden the only dependable center back. Hector Moreno is long in the tooth and injury prone. Uh, Carlos Salcedo is blacklisted. Nestor Araujo is not in good form. Uh, Cata Dominguez, no thank you. So it's almost like they're begging him to play. Tata Martino needs to get him integrated as soon as possible. And I'm not saying he should be a starter, but he's got to be in that mix, Seb. Look at all the other center backs. It's a no-brainer here. Yes, 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 he should start. I'm vindicated, start. of course. Of course I put him uh, in the top two center backs of our top five rankings. I wish we could post Herc's disastrous top five from that show right now to see who really, truly has an appreciation you, and an understanding of what it is to be... You can't compare a month ago to today. Uh, ...of what it is to be a, a, a true, true center back. Uh, this, is, this is huge for the national team, Herc. Huge for the national team. Not just that he's getting minutes uh, at center back in Syria, but that he scored on a corner kick. Uh, this is something that could be huge for Mexico, uh, a development that would be very welcome, a flashback to the Juan Carlos Osorio days when suddenly Mexico oh, yeah. were a threat. And even if he's not a threat offensively, he could certainly help them defensively on set pieces, which in this qualifying cycle have been very, very, uh, I'll say, nerve, uh, nerve, and like, they've made me very, very nervous uh, throughout this. And I think we haven't even seen the worst of it yet. So, Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why is this different for you than Zach Steph and Matt Turner? 
Because I think Johan Vasquez is going to play the rest of the, the next three weeks. But he had it. And I don't think you're going to see and that And he from was Zach in a youth Steffen. tournament at the Olympics, and that's how he got to Genoa, and he right, wasn't playing there. I, this, he... is about, this is about November 12th, Herc. This is about okay. November 12th. There's a very good chance that Johan Vasquez, coming off this performance, is going to play every single week until November 12th. Do you feel the same about Zach Steffen? But this maybe wasn't you know about November 12th. Maybe when you, you know put something him in your about Manchester City. We don't know. Is he going to take the starting job? Uh, but this wasn't about November 12th when you did your top five center backs and put him at number two, or number one, actually. A historic goal <laughs> for Johan Vasquez. Not the first Mexican to score on his European debut. So let's give you a little history lesson on some of the Mexicans who have scored, if not their European debut, in, in their debut with one of their clubs in Europe. First off, Chucky Lozano with PSV in 2017, Hurt. You know what the crazy thing about this is? It's not the first time. He scored on his debut with Pachuca, PSV, in the Champions League with PSV, Europa League with PSV, Serie A debut, and World Cup debut. It is bonkers. One of 40 goals uh, for PSV. Alan Pulido in Greece with Levadiakos in 2015. I don't know if you remember how he got there, but it was... I was about to say, that's the real story. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really strange, and he forced his uh, transfer from Tigres. He ended up playing in the World Cup, and then this comes about. Didn't It was short-lived, uh, but this this forced uh, another move to Chivas. If this if there was a ranking, Herc, if there was a ranking, Herc, it would have to be this one. Chicharito for Manchester United off his, off his face and in. Okay, Technically, this is his first official goal, but it's yes, not his first yes. goal with, you know what his first goal is, right? Yes, in Houston against the uh, MLS All-Stars, That's correct? right. Do you remember who the goalkeeper was? I, I don't. Armando. All right, this is an ultra flashback. 1992, Luis Garcia with Atletico Madrid. This was one of two headers, right? This was a Tenerife. Uh, when they used to be in top flight, Luis Garcia, what a memorable debut with a doblete. Both headers, by the way. Had a very successful but brief stint in Spain. Also played for Real Sociedad. I think had 17 goals, Herc, uh, in his first season there with Atletico. Let's run it back. We'll go from 1992 to the, to the present day, this past weekend. Right back, a big talking point for the U.S. Left back. I think it's locked down by this guy, Anthony Robinson, who scores in Fulham's 4-1 win over Queens Park Rangers, Herc, in the championship. A deflection never hurt anybody. Well, it has hurt a lot of people. But uh, this is a great goal, and he celebrates it because he's about to have a baby. That's right. Our boy Anthony Robinson and his partner Darcy are set to have a little girl. And look at the festivities. Look at the way he celebrates. A little soccer ball under the jersey. A classic. Congratulations. Pull him into a third in the championship with the win. Chicharito. With his 13th goal, Herc, of the season. A huge win for the Galaxy, by the way, uh, in this playoff chase, 2-1 over Portland. Huge win. Watch the center back. Watch Larry Mabiala. Oh, he missed it. Watch this. He's going to miss the post as well. Oh, he missed trying to kick the post as well. This is good for Chicharito, 13th goal. He's two away from that over-under we put down. He's four away from Ola Kamara. I don't think he's in the running to fight. There are five games left. He does have Houston, Dallas, Kansas City, Seattle, Minnesota to play, though. Bayern Munich, big winners over Bayer Leverkusen, a game that was supposed to be close. It was for the top spot in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich wins 5-1. to one. They were up 5-0 early on in this game, and Alfonso Davies was subbed out. I thought they were just giving him a break. Turns out he's got a thigh injury, Herc. Yeah. Uh, all that travel catching up to him, maybe. Yep. Huge repercussions for Canada if he's not fit. I don't want to think about what Canada is without this guy, this, guy, this man, this player. Could be trouble. Syria, meanwhile, Gianluca Busio with a sick pass sets up the game winner. Do we give him what the hockey assist here? MLS assist, right? <laughs> <laughs> Still do that. This is a good little ball. Look, Busio's. He's been a pleasant surprise with Venezia. Uh, a lot of people, and I being one of them, doubted his two-way playability, but he's been a very good two-way player for them. This is a sexy little ball. Venezia, a big one-nothing win then over Fiorentina. And yeah, making himself right at home in the Venezia team, Gianluca Busio. Back to the championship. Dwayne Holmes, remember him? Still plodding away at Huddersfield Town. How about this for a distance effort? It's a banger. That's a banger on the run. There are like four players trying to close him down. Not soon enough. Good little strike. He's... 27 years of age in November. Seb, is it too late? <laughs> Never too late. Never too late. 
Our Josh Sargent. If uh -oh. anybody could use a hurt goal, uh, uh, you know, a goal, it's this guy, right? Josh oh, Sargent. Oh, no. You know, it's never good when you shoot the ball and then you decide, like, oh, I can still catch up to it to correct mm. this error. Watch this. He stands, wait, and he tries to catch. Oh, this is just a lack of confidence. And everybody goes through it. Every forward will go through it. 21 years of age, he will get through it himself. But he desperately needs a goal. Yep, not just for playing time in the Premier League, for the national team as well, left out of the last call-ups. How about this big news? First reported by Roger Gonzalez at CBS. Gio Reyna is likely out for the November World Cup qualifiers. Herc, a hamstring injury that is not healing quickly enough. Again, potentially just a massive blow for the U.S. Huge blow. I mean, he's one of your best players. A uh, huge upside on this player. He was doing so well for the national team. Always a player that when he plays for the national team, makes his presence felt. Claudio Reyna, his father, flew down to Germany. They're seeking a second option, but ah, if he's not there in November, huge loss. Flew down to Germany. Is Germany south of us here? Well, you know what I mean. Who says <laughs> flew up to Germany? Who says flew up? So Gio Reyna then in doubt for the U.S.'s next World Cup qualifier, which have, have we mentioned yet? It's the U.S. against Mexico. Uh, it says Friday there, but it is really November 12th on ESPN2 uh, and, of course, streaming live as well on the app and ESPN Plus. A huge, huge game in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. And, of course, Football Americas. We will be there on the ground in Cincinnati in the build-up and for all of the aftermath. Pasión, determinación y constancia es lo que te hace campeón y mantiene tu actitud de ride or die baby. eBay Motors tiene lo que necesitas para darle mantenimiento a tu vehículo y para llegar hasta el rendimiento máximo. Desde sobrealimentadores, sistemas de sonido, tubos de escape, luces LED y más. Si buscas velocidad, potencia o estilo, lo encontrarás todo en eBay Motors. Con más de 122 millones de piezas, siempre encontrarás justo lo que buscas. Y con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, tienes la garantía de que tu pieza quede perfectamente a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Porque con eBay Motors, quemas llantas y no tu dinero. Con las piezas que buscas, a los precios que quieres, tu auto se convertirá en el MVP que te dará el triunfo. eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones. All right, more CONCACAF news here, Herc. Panama, their next home World Cup qualifier, which will be against El Salvador on November 16th, will be held without fans due to alleged discriminatory chants against Mexico. Panama have been issued a fine. The Panamanian, Panamanian let me try that again, Federation uh, has promised to appeal to FIFA. That's one bit of news, not the only bit of news. El Salvador has been fined, at least their federation has by FIFA, for discriminatory and inappropriate behavior way back in match day one, Herc, which was, of course, the U.S. trip to El Salvador. The fine that they got, $32,000, plus a partial closer, closure of the stands for the next home World Cup qualifier, which will be against Jamaica on November 12th. And there may be more coming for the folks down in El Salvador. This is from the game against Mexico. Video from the stands. And you can see Memocho, the Mexican goalie, just getting pelted with some type of liquid there. We wouldn't want to guess what it is. Herc, you ever seen anything like this? We've seen stuff thrown, but this was just nonstop. Have I seen it? Yes. Have I been on to the... To this extent? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was. I once played in Veracruz and uh, with Tigres, and we had a... I don't even know what it was. Hopefully it wasn't kidney water thrown at us, but a <laughs> bunch of different things thrown our way. It was uh, raining, all types of liquid. It's unfortunate. Listen, we saw this in the CONCACAF Nations League in Denver, and what the stadium, I guess... Authorities did what police did how they uh, I guess police that that situation the same thing needs to be done here You need to have more safety in these stadiums whether that means you identify these individuals and they are permanently Suspended from attending any type of sporting event in that stadium. You do that. This is for the safety of the players uh, I, why, why is it that we have to 
get to this point? Why is it that the referees in question during this game can't see that happening? It doesn't look like there's one being thrown. It looks like there are 40 different things being thrown all at once, and you can clearly see it's in the run of play and it's during an offensive play. So it's not that the referees can't see like, hey, this is my direct line of sight. It's in your direct line of sight. You could do something about it, yet you choose not to. Yeah, and there's no like no stoppage again like that. If you're if you're gonna send a message anywhere, send it live in the moment. Uh, send it with a stoppage. Stop the game. Mexico's played without fans. Uh, Panama's gonna play without fans. Should El Salvador join the uh, the party for some of these next World Cup qualifiers? Absolutely. I mean. Why should they be exempt from this bad behavior? You could say, well, they've already been suspended. They've already been fined, excuse me. Uh, and that will hurt them. Trust me, it will hurt them. Over $30,000 doesn't seem much to a federation like Mexico, maybe a federation like the United States. But for El Salvador, that federation, uh, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt what they can do uh, with not having those funds. And it, trust me, a lot of you are going to say it's only $32,000. Well, for their national teams, their setup, that's a lot of money. That's going to hurt them. And they should not be exempt uh, from, from the rest of the, the teams in this federation. So I don't see how you can not find them, not suspend yeah. them. And don't think that, that $32,000, uh, even if it doesn't affect the, the senior men's national team, the federation losing those funds, it affects the youth national teams, it affects the women's national teams. And one thing we see a lot of around CONCACAF is a lot of women's national teams and youth national teams that are being totally underfunded. So $30,000 doesn't sound like a lot, but it but it can be very impactful in a negative way, and it's probably not the senior national team, the men, that are actually going to pay for this yeah. behavior that happened uh, at their games. Obviously disappointing. So, Herc, let's flash back to high school now, right? You remember senior year of high school, you had, you had your, your superlatives, right? Let's hand some out here, and we'll start with the category you would have been up for in high school. Biggest <laughs> disappointment. You've picked Costa Rica here. Why, Herc? Uh, because they're my biggest disappointment because I had them in my top four. Costa Rica, Flores, I should say, their coach, he's got a problem. His team's old, and there's no new, blo new blood to push some of these players out. That's why you see a Brian Ruiz starting. That's why you see Alvaro Saborio getting a call-up at 39 years of age. Kendall Waston still being there. Celso Borges. Uh, it's a big part. They're still a big part of the national team setup. Gaylor Navas, nobody's going to take him out, but you see a pattern here. You see how a Joe Campbell not being there affects this team. You see how playing three games in eight days can severely hamper the ability for them to play to their level. I didn't expect them to be struggling this way. I knew that they're going to be in this generational shift, but I didn't expect, I guess, the, the stark contrast between their older players and the rest. And to me, that's a huge disappointment for what was a very dependable gigante of CONCACAF. Uh, we have still eight games to play. You picked them. Are you bailing on your pick? Are you, are you officially out on Costa Rica? No, I think experience will win over and they'll manage these situations. I'll still pick them in my top four, only because the rest of the field hasn't really, in my eyes, proven itself in, in that top four like Costa Rica has over the years. And, and quite frankly, with these players. So I will stick. But this is still a very big disappointment because they're in it right now for me, but they could very well be out of it. Yeah, yeah, they're only two points uh, back of fourth yeah. right now, so still uh, very achievable. Keylor Navasquia, because if he's not around, we see what the, what the big difference is, and it's yeah, the difference Moreira. between stealing a point. It's the difference between stealing a point the other night and not stealing it in the United States. All right, so Costa Rica goes in the book then as our biggest disappointment. Best looking, a category I was certainly up for in high school, uh, as we can all tell. <laughs> And you've gone with Canada, Herc. Look oh, at you, you and your pro-Canada anti-Tico ways here on Football Americas. Is there anyone playing out of their minds like the Canadian national team? Is there anyone punching above their weight class like the Canadian national team? The only team in the history of World Cup qualifying to take points away from the U.S. men's national team at home and El Tri at El Azteca. John Herdman has this team playing at a level that we don't see many teams playing here. The U.S. men's national team, certainly not playing to their potential. El Tri, certainly not playing to their potential. This team is, and he's got some ballers. He's got some players. He has some aviones, some planes that are flying. It's the best looking team for me. Mm. Gosh, I want to argue with you. I want to say two wins out of six. They've only won two of their six games. Mexico's won four of their six games. How could you, how could you make this point? But you're not wrong about the schedule. What they've done is, is certainly more impressive than what anybody else has done. This could change quickly, though. Why? Because Mexico's next two games 
away to U.S. and away to Canada. If Mexico wins both of those, I think you very quickly say not only is Mexico top of the table, but they're also at that point the best looking. You the can't argue side, that. The, the other side of that coin is they've got the next four games on the road, if I'm not mistaken. So that can go south very quickly. All right, let's go back to a category that you would have... I won't even dignify that with a response. Let's go to a category that you definitely were up for, Class Clown. Uh, you went... We've gone with... This was a... a, a we kind of co-picked these, but you, you always bully me. You've gone with Honduras. Bully you. Um, who now have, uh, have gone from... Fabian Coito to Hernan Dario Gomez. El Bolillo in charge of Honduras. Yeah, Is okay. he going to save him? Uh... Maybe, because they've got some players, and I think they, they got some very talented players, but they, they're dead last. Uh, three home games, two losses. U.S. Men's National Team Jamaica, uh, only one goal scored in those home games. Two goals scored in total, 10 against. Fabian Coito was just fired, and if it wasn't clownish already with the standings, they fired Coito before they even announced it. It was leaked in quotations, and all over the press, all over international TV, a day before it actually happened, like if there's a playbook of how to do this mm. qualifying process wrong right now, it would be Honduras. Yeah, he manages a game with everybody in the stadium knowing it's his last game. That's, that's definitely uh, not handled appropriately. For Hernan Dario Gomez, he, he, he did the impossible. He got Panama to a World Cup in 2018. Maybe there's something to be said for him knowing how to navigate this. The next two for Honduras are critical to me. Panama... Uh, and Costa Rica. You, you got to get a turnaround going there. Otherwise, like you said, three points, no wins, dead last right now. I, I don't see how you can, you can see them turning this thing around. Next category, hmm. most likely, Herc, we're going, we're going good, bad, good, bad. Most likely, or bad, good, bad, good, I guess. Uh, most likely to succeed, which I, I guess what we're saying when we say most likely to succeed is... Who's going to grab that, that fourth spot, that repechaje spot? So here's a look at our picks from before. Hey. I've gone USA, Mexico, Jamaica, Canada. You've gone Mexico first, USA, Canada, and Costa Rica. I got the top three right right now. Panama. Panama it is. Okay. Why Panama, Herc? Well, results at home between, I should say, the... Top nations in, in qualifying right now, Costa Rica 0-0, Mexico 1-1, and then a huge win over the U.S. men's national team 1-0. So you got the top three in qualifying right now, and you've gotten results over all of them. Uh, and before their meltdown versus Canada, because it was a meltdown, they were the best defensive team in the region. Thomas Christensen has this team playing at a level right now that I think is good for them. I certainly didn't expect this level of output from the Panamanians. I thought they were more in a rebuilding process than Costa Rica was. Their golden generation is gone. No more Blas Perez, no more Roman Torres, no more Felipe uh, Baloy, uh, no more uh, of, these, of these great Panamanian golden generation footballers, yet they're getting results. And they're doing it with a very good brand, and they're a very difficult team to play at home. If you could... Win at home and steal on the road, that's a, good, that's a good recipe for success. It just seems to me that if I have to pick somebody that's not in my top four, Panama would be the one I would pick. Okay. So, so you think Panama ahead of Costa Rica or behind Costa Rica? Because I don't think Panama. I'm going to argue somebody well, else. Well, I, I just said if it's not going to be my top four, it's Panama. But that's a very good question, ahead or behind Costa Rica. At this point, they may have more gas in Costa Rica. There at the end, it is. But there it is. I have to stick with Costa Rica because in the end, experience plays out. The Gomez flip flop, a classic here uh, on Football Americas. I, I will stick with my Jamaica pick. I will stick with my Jamaica pick. I think they'll finish ahead of Costa Rica and ahead of Panama here. So I, I don't. I think Jamaica is most likely to succeed. We haven't. We haven't heard the last from the reggae okay. boys. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, let's move on to uh, Liga MX. Hand out some praise 
or some shade. I, I think we were feeling good this weekend. I think it's all, uh, is it all praise this week? Let's start with Club America, my beloved. Uh, it took till the 97th minute and Roger Martinez, but in the end, they were able to uh, win one nothing over Mauricio Pedrosa's beloved Atletico San Luis. It makes him the first team, Herc, to clinch a spot in Liguilla. Are you finally, finally ready to hand my boys some praise, or are you going to die on this mountain that they still haven't convinced? Ah, uh, well, they still have not convinced, but I am nah. going to hand them some praise. Oh, come on. And I'm not the only one saying this. Let me let me hand out some praise first. I, I will tell you why, okay? Uh, America is leader. This is true. First place. Uh, Solari is the truth. He's a, he's a coach that gets the most out of his players. I don't think America has a lot of star power. This is a brilliant goal from Roger Martinez. The ability to get the most out of Roger Martinez when most coaches have not. When everybody is ready to give up on Roger Martinez, you stick with him like Solari has and he's become a, an important player for you. This is probably the one time that we've seen Santiago Solari kind of let loose and not show his serious side. He's got them playing in a way that they know who they are. They but it's not convincing, apparently. Be because because they're not spectacular. It's not the America way of old. But that, maybe that doesn't matter. I will tell you this. They're the first one to clinch a playoff already spot. But it doesn't necessarily mean they will be first or in the top three or top four when it all finishes out. Let me tell you the rest of their schedule. Santos Laguna, no cakewalk. Tigres, not easy. Monterrey in the Champions League of CONCACAF final, not going to be easy at all. That's a high-flying team. Cruz Azul, another Clásico, and then you end with Monterrey again. Mm. I do feel this is going to come out. We're going to see the, the real test of character right here for America. If they come out on top right here, it's going to be impossible for me to say they're not the truth. They're not the overwhelming favorites. I don't think they will come out on top. I don't think they will be in the top two when it's all said and done. Really? You think they're going to drop out of the top spot after this schedule? I'll give it to you. It's a, it's a tough schedule. The only thing that will convince you for America is trophies. So yeah. if they beat Rayados in the CONCACAF Champions League final, then you're going to say you're, you're going to say they were convinced. If they win Liga Mekis, you're going to say you're convinced. Other than that, you're going to sit here with the same thing every time this comes up no. and say that they're not convincing. What do you want? You want three, four, nothing? Is that is that what you want every week? No, but hold on. Because you don't hold, hold Tigres to that standard. You don't hold Rayados to that standard when of we talk about Of course I them. hold them to that standard. Oh. I don't oh. think anybody wants to play America in Liguilla. As our colleague Hector Huerta says, es un animal de, de Liguilla. They're, they're an animal, they're a machine when it comes to this playoff structure, but they're not the America of old that wows you. They're not the America of old where you say, wow, look at that star power. It's certainly not the America of old where you can say, I put my money on this team. I wouldn't. I don't know about you. Six points clear atop the table. I'll clear. put my money on that. Uh, let's drop down from the top spot in the table, why don't we, to ninth place, Hercules Gomez, in the table, where we find Chivas. And that's uh, after moving up, thanks to a 2-0 victory over Toluca. Yes, the same Toluca that, that beat America convincingly, not, not just a few weeks ago. Goals from Cesar Huerta and Ronaldo Cisneros won in stoppage time of each half as they get a, a big, big victory and a huge three points. The first under Michel Leaño, who promised, what was it, uh, Football Vibrante, That's it's right. vibrant football. Uh, I don't know that we, we saw that. Maybe we did. Uh, this was certainly the formula he promised, at least, if not in terms of vibrant football, in terms of young players, right? This is, this is kind of the new Chivas. This is the Chivas that you would want if you're trying to sell people on the new Chivas. Yes, right? This is what you would want. Finally, they got on the score sheet multiple goals, something they've not done in a while. This Chivas has a few things going for them, okay? They're tied on points with San Luis, who's at eighth. Chivas is in ninth right now, okay? In front of them, one point ahead is Cruz Azul and Tigres, uh, two points, who's in fifth. So you've got two direct competitors that you will play soon who are in front of you that you could potentially beat out. You're going to play Cholos, who's last place, okay? You're gonna play Tigres, you're gonna play Cruz Azul. I think this, with the coupling of you having one of the best defenses in all of Liga Mekis, only 10 goals against, is a prime reason why this team can surprise. Not Michel Leaño, not mm. this proactive offensive football. Play to your strengths. I think this Chivas can surprise in a way that few Chivas teams in the past have surprised us. I don't think this is direct, direct correlation with Michel Leaño as much as the confidence level right now and the remaining schedule. Okay, so what is 
surprise us then, right? We have to say what is a surprise for this for this Chivas team. They sit ninth right now. They're in the zona de repechaje, yeah. right? Effectively the play-in zone, which is teams 5 through 12 who have to earn a spot in the quarterfinals. You finish in the top four, you make the quarterfinals directly. They're only three points hurt back of the top four. Do you think they could they could make it that far up the table? Or is this team at the end of the day just another whoa. one of the lot and whoa. repechaje whoa, material? Whoa, whoa. You're talking Chivas top four? I, I can't even remember the last time they were in the top four. I think before the pandemic hit and the season was stopped, they were around fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, top four is very optimistic, but what I can tell you is when you play Cholos, bottom of the table, Mazatlan, not in the top ten. Two direct rivals in Cruz Azul and a Tigres team that Chivas has historically done very well against. This is good, and a good thing. I'm talking about top eight, the Clásico Liguilla, the classic playoff structure, not this playing repechaje wildcard scenario that we've seen in the past or come to expect from Chivas. You talk to any self-respected Chivas fan, and it's a huge knock on them that they think, or majority of people think, they can only get into the playoffs <laughs> with his ninth, 10th, 11th, or 12th place. I think this team can get in the top eight, but top four, that's a tough ask with the teams ahead of them. So they are three points, Herc, out of the top four. They're also three points from 14th place. Maybe this is the Americanista in me, but I don't know that it's a guarantee that Chivas is going to make the repechaje. Do you see a scenario in which they could miss? There's still a lot of work to be done. Because of the way they play defensively and their defensive first mindset, the ability to grind out points, I don't see that scenario. I think they'll get top 12 no matter what. I really do, based on the, mm. the schedule. Mm. And you have direct rivals, so you take points away from somebody else and you earn points. This helps them. I honestly see a top eight fighting scenario. They're going to end somewhere between seventh and tenth for my, for my money. Uh, one of the teams uh, battling for one of those top four spots and avoiding the repechaje Tigres who saw some history over the weekend. André Pierre Guignac with his 150th goal for Tigres. How many more than, than you is that? Uh, a lot more. <laughs> On to more important things. Hey, listen, I scored a lot of goals in, in, in Mexico. Certainly not 150 like this. We're not talking about one of the best regios or historic regio, Mark. We're talking about one of the best players to ever come to Liga MX. He's breaking records at a Liga MX uh, rate. Four championships Liga MX, one second place in Libertadores, one CONCACAF Champions League, two golden boots, historic man. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. All right, time for Major League Soccer. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good, Herc. Although I don't know how good this is, I have to admit. According to World Soccer Magazine, they have a list of the 500 most important players in the world. What important means, uh, I'll leave it to that. But 19 players, Herc, from Major League Soccer made this list more than any other league outside of Europe, right? Outside of the top five leagues in Europe. So it's so a big win here for Major League Soccer. Look at some of these names on the list. Tejan Buchanan, they got the young guns covered. Chicharito Hernandez, Carlos Vela, they got the Mexican stars covered. Raul Ruiz Diaz, they got him covered as well. Caden Clark, uh, another name. Uh, is this something important or not? What do we, what do we make of this? Of course list? it is. It says important right there in the title. <laughs> what are we doing here? Caden Clark, Jefferson Soteldo, James Sands, Ryan Gold? Ryan Gold from Vancouver, who most people couldn't pick out of a lineup. Important based off what? Because World Soccer Magazine says they're important? I don't know what the qualifications were for said list. I mm. don't know how they determined these players were of importance. Certainly to choose 500 in the world and say 19 of them, the most of any top five league, pertain to major or pertain to major league soccer is i don't know really know what to make of it but then i guess you say thanks if you're major league soccer for the free publicity if it's if it's 19 herc this year i gotta think if they did this you know and i'm sure they did two three years ago this number is actually going down right because we don't have the slatans anymore we don't have the roonies we don't have the lampards we don't have the pirlos we don't have those players in major league soccer anymore so 
I'm actually surprised, and I think what you see when you look at the names on this list is they've included some players who you, you as you kind of question, how can these players be amongst the most important in the world? But there was a time when MLS might have had a legit shout to have 10 names on this list. It's just not, it's just not the way MLS is built anymore. That's the difference here. I, I, I didn't see... what. Uh, 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 I didn't see a majority of players who I think are really important in Major League Soccer. I, I'm seeing some players who are important to other people. I, I, I don't know, like, how, how does this work? You're saying globally, right? Like, Joseph Martinez is huge in Major right. League Soccer, Joseph but Martinez globally, is, well, he's, right. okay, right. then Ryan Gold, you know? Lucas El Arayan, even, the, uh, but forget Ryan Gold for a second, even the big names here. Raul Ruiz Diaz, Lucas El Arayan, like at national team level, are they difference makers? Are they known in the international space? No, not really. Carlos Vela hasn't been a player for two years that has been of importance in his play. He's a, an important name, I guess, in, in the Mexican community when it comes to football, but certainly nobody would go out of their way in the last year and a half, two years, to say this is a very important player. Wow. For everybody in, at LAFC, that was Hercules Gomez bad-mouthing Carlos Vela Nine here goals. at Football Americas. Not seasons. me. Not me. No, I stand in full defense of Carlos Vela. Full defense. All right, of course. Let's you are. go to the bad, Herc. Let's go to the bad. We go. We go cross country from Los Angeles to New York, New York. The Derby, the Hudson River Derby between the New York Red Bulls and New York City FC. And why is this in the bad? Because New York Red Bulls uh, did win on the day by a final score of one nothing. It is the poor attendance, Herc. We see it uh, on the television broadcast. We saw it from pictures posted from fans who were at the game. Uh, this derby used to mean something, or at least used to have some relevance in the city of New York. Herc, now no longer. What's going on? Well, I, did it really have that big of a relevance yes, in the city yes. of New York? Go back, go back to the early days. The, the first year they had this, I believe they had a sellout at Red Bull Arena. They had announced attendance of 25,000. The first game between these two at Yankee Stadium, an announced attendance circa 48,000. So yes, at okay. one point, at one point, this rivalry was hot and drew drew a big crowd in in and around New York. Okay, let, let me rephrase this. At any point, was it ever like an LAFC, LA Galaxy? Was it ever like a Seattle versus Portland, or even a Montreal? It was on its way to even it. Montreal versus TFC. Fine, fine. You you've got a you've got an yearning in your heart for New York to be relevant. And I don't remember it ever being relevant for Major League Soccer. In fact, I don't even know And if, you think that's okay? I don't even know if it matters, Seb. Let's look at the relevant cities to date in, in North America. What do you have? You've got two New York teams, two LA teams, you've got a Chicago, Houston, right? Maybe mm -hmm. a Toronto, if you will. What other cities? I don't know. Throw out a big city. Here's Houston, the thing. Dallas. Okay. How many are playoff bound right now? One. The LA Galaxy. So, I don't really know if it matters. I know what you're saying, and it's sad when you see this, this New York versus New York rivalry because you want to make something of it. But, but this is the, this is the big, I guess, knock on Major League Soccer is fabricating these rivalries before they're even rivalries. See, I don't know that this is fabricated. Again, I think you can go back to the very beginnings and see that there was a lot of potential here. To me, this screams of ownership that has just let something go to waste. New York is not a market, Herc, that Major League Soccer can let fail. And that's what's happening now. New York City FC is failing. New York Red Bulls are failing. This is your rivalry game and the stadium is more than half empty. That's not good enough. And this is why when we talk about MLS having a stranglehold on first division status, you can look at a city like New York and say, is this actually what's best for American soccer? Because if that's MLS best effort in New York, simply put, Herc, it's not getting the job done. They are not maximizing the soccer market that New York is. Or are they? Am I missing something? You're not, you're not missing anything. Also, 18, I think above 18,000, the reported attendance there. Mm. It certainly didn't look like 18,000. Um, you, you could find a lot of USL markets who uh, pack in their little stadium, but certainly won't have that D1 status granted for whatever reason. Well, you, you mentioned that, and, and we should at least finish that thought. It's the announced attendance there, and you guys all saw the video. You saw the pictures. 18,613. Now, that didn't look like 18,000 um, to me. Now, exaggerating your attendance, right, or reporting tickets distributed is not unique to New York, New York. It's not unique to MLS. It's not unique to American soccer. Everybody exaggerates their attendance. But it matters in American soccer. Because the way that the U.S. Soccer Federation does its sanctioning, 
Part of the formula is your attendance. So when you exaggerate attendance, it not only helps you maintain your Division I status in the league that you're in, it also is a barrier to entry for other leagues who can't reach those attendance numbers, Herc. So this isn't something to be just brushed off as, oh, everybody does it. Yeah, everybody does it, but it has real-world ramifications uh, in American soccer. So there we have it. That's the bad from New York, New York, as the Hudson River Derby continues uh, to lose relevance across Major League Soccer. Where to next on our tour of MLS? Ah, the ugly. Hercules, the ugly tempers flaring between Toronto FC and Atlanta United. Late in this game with Atlanta United up a goal, we get two red cards. Uh, was this handled right? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what happened here. Like, like I, I see tempers flaring. There's a red card right there for Auro Jr. because he pushed Ezequiel Barco. Uh, but then, did he really push Ezequiel Barco? Or Ezequiel Barco, did he throw himself? Did he flop? And, and why is he being red carded? And where is VAR in this? And, and, like, it just seems like a, a big fuss over nothing. And look, he, he's upset. They're upset. It's been a hell of a season for Toronto. Atlanta's flying. First win for Atlanta there. I don't really know what to make of this. Like, honestly, what's going on? I, I like the point you make about Toronto. It has been a long, long season for TFC. If there's ever a team that needs a break, uh, it's probably Toronto FC. And uh, they look like they're at their wits end towards the end of this campaign. Speaking of the end of the campaign, we got more Major League Soccer coming for you this weekend. Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, Herc, on ESPN, as well as ESPN Deportes. It is a uh, Texas Derby, Houston Dynamo against Austin FC. That match, of course, streaming live as well on the ESPN app. For Major League Soccer, the National Women's Soccer League. Houston Dash and the Portland Thorns playing over the weekend. Portland winning 1-0. And with that, Herc, they clinch the regular season title. No surprise, Lindsey Horan with the game winner over the Dash. It's a good little goal right here. Good little game winner over the dash. Sclinching the shield, and uh, guess what, Seb? I'll take them. You will. I'll take Portland. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, league record 12 shutouts, uh, second best offensive team in the league. Sophia Smith's coming to her own. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, so you know you're going to have that home support, which is going to be crucial. And remind me again where the final's being played. Oh, it's moved. It's moved now oh. to Louisville. So there you go. Oh. So, 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 so could be a difference maker that. I don't mind your... So, so basically the question here is, are you taking the thorns of the field? Which, when you talk about the NWSL, the, the conversation around it as the best league in the world, you might have some debate there because there are some really good teams in other leagues. You can never make the argument that there's a more competitive league in the world, right? The NWSL top to bottom, most competitive league in the world. So if I were giving betting advice here, I would say take the field. That's a smart betting advice in the NWSL, especially with a team like OL Reign, who for me right now is, is potentially red hot, catching fire, good time of year and playing very well. However, Herc, I don't bet with my head sometimes. I bet with my heart. Mark Parsons uh, leaving Portland at the end of the year. You always say, we talked about it with Duca Ferretti and Tigres, maybe there's some vibes of like um, the last dance. Yep. Thorns have won a lot this year, right? They got your Women's ICC, they got your Challenge Cup, they got the Shield now. Um, I, I think this would be a fitting last dance for Parsons. So I, I think Portland, a very, very good bet to, to send him out. But man, betting against the field in the NWSL is dangerous business. So don't, don't hold us to that one. Elsewhere in the National Women's Soccer League, playoff ticket punch for the Washington Spirit, who beat O.L. Reign. So maybe coming back down to earth, 2-0, big road win for the Washington Spirit who are really, really playing well, Herc, and they've got a spot in the postseason. This is a sick finish. Watches on the bounce, in step. It's a delicate touch, very difficult. And then how about this? Placing it, bending it. There you go. Where's the goalkeeper? Can't see it? No problem. Watch out for my Washington spirit. I'm telling you, Trinity Rodman, Ashley Sanchez, look out. So here's the uh, NWSL playoff picture, right? Top six make it. Your three are already clinched. Chicago... And Gotham, all but assured a spot, basically going to come down the Houston Dash and North Carolina Courage. Uh, Orlando, Louisville, and Kansas City already eliminated. U.S. Women's National Team in action this week, Herc, and on ESPN2 
as well. First of two games against South Korea. The penultimate game of Carly Lloyd's international career uh, should be a special night there in Kansas City. I will be on the call of that one with frequent Football Americas guest Julie Foudy. All right, Herc, that'll do it for this edition of Football America. Sometimes we can be a little bit tough to look at, so if you ever want to listen to the show, you can always download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on the ESPN FC feed. Herc, before we get out of here, what you wearing? Uh, you, you don't know who this is. If you guess this, I'll buy you dinner. Who is it? I can't even see, to be honest. Oh, man, what's yours? Oh, this guy, unbelievable. We'll see you on Thursday. Can't even see. Plenty more planned. I'll be with the U.S. Women's National Team, but Herc, you'll be in charge. Sure. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.